As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Adam Hurry, host of Football Clichés, a truly unique podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Twice a week, my guests and I tear apart the language of football, the words, the phrases, the mannerisms and the weird habits of everyone involved in the game. This 200-episode voyage into the true soul of football has so far raised such vital questions as what exactly is a half-chance? How do you get hired as a pundit on being sports? Why do we still applaud a simple header back to a goalkeeper? What exactly is included in a footballer's proverbial scrapbook? What happened to stanchions? How many goals ahead did the underdogs need to be to constitute dreamland? And what's the classiest of all the classy touches? And we won't be hanging up our microphones for the World Cup either. Football cliches will be going strong throughout the tournament, and we're still looking for the third and final piece of original punditry audio from the intro to Badil and Skinner's Three Lions. And if that wasn't enough, come and see us in the flesh on the Football Clichés live tour of London, Manchester and Dublin in November. It'll be the most pedantic footballing night of your lives. Football Clichés, the football podcast you never thought you needed. Out twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts from The Athletic. Welcome to this week's Why Always Us. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. Sam Lee and Paul Bias are with me this week. Hi, Sam. Hello. Hi, Paul. Hi. Hello there. How are you doing, both of you? You well? Yeah, fine. I'm, yeah. I'm in Barcelona right now, so can't complain. Um, it's all right for some. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not actually sunny, if I have to be honest. But, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sam? Yeah. Still better. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not actually sunny. In Northern Dun currently, uh, and I don't think I don't expect it to be for about eight months. Yeah, so yeah. There we go. I, I was going to say had, we had a good run anyway in the summer. So different expectations, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, right. So you can read everything on City and more in the Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod and sign up. You'll get these podcasts as well without those ads. So you can sign up at theathletic.com forward slash Man City Pod for that. Um, let's start very uh, briefly with uh, a reflection on uh, the Wolves game um, because Sam we talked about it last week about kind of gut instincts about City not really being at 100% yet and and kind of still kind of building into this season um, 
but it, it, I, I kind of got the impression from the Wolves game. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm maybe I'm doing the performance down. But it, it feels like there there's much more leeway in the what they can get away with this season. Do you know what I mean? Possibly. It's it's interesting in terms of the Wolves game itself. It was it was one I did on the the radio commentary for Radio Manchester, and I've always said, obviously with that, I can't really be looking at Twitter during the game, and I feel like I I'm not saying my view and like picture of the game is more clear than anybody else's but it's clearer than when i'm you know just doing it for work normally and you know sometimes you have a quick look at twitter and you might miss things or whatever like last week when dortmund scored i was tweeting about city's three subs about to come on didn't even see the goal so those kind of things when i'm on the radio i'm just like fully locked in i'm like right he's gone into midfield and i feel like my picture of the game is clearer um but i, I was kept saying on the radio because we were talking about De Bruyne, because I thought De Bruyne didn't play well, but I was like, sometimes you come away from these things, you look on the internet, and everyone's got like a completely different opinion. But it turned out the different opinion was everybody seemed to think City were really bad at the weekend, or bad in spells, or certainly not themselves. But I was like, yeah, this is absolutely fine. Like, I didn't yeah. really have any major qualms with the performance. I just re- I remember saying at the start of the second half, I was like, right. Wolves have got 10 men. This shouldn't really happen in the way that they were playing out from goal kicks and they were kind of creating that. You know how like Spurs did it last season when they scored the goals and Conte was like, these weren't counter-attacking goals. Like they were from our goal kicks and they created like transition-like situations from goal kicks where they get through a line of the press and then they can run and City do it quite well. Um, and Wolves were doing that, but I was like, they've got 10 men. This shouldn't really happen. But what I thought was they're just going all or nothing here. It's a bit like, again, when City played Palace at home last season and they were down to 10 men. And City were like, well, we're just going to go for it and it's all or nothing. If we score, then great. If we you know, if we don't, we're going to run out of steam and whatever. And obviously, Conor Gallagher scored yeah. on the break at the end. I was like, basically, Wolves... I was like, City shouldn't really be in this position. But Wolves are really going for it. But the back door is so open. If City put together a couple of passes, they could easily get a few more goals. And I was like, and Wolves can't keep this up forever. And then the other side of that was they didn't have any shots, really. They had, they created one chance when Guedes kind of miscued when they pulled it back, and that was a good chance. But the rest, they just tried to cross into the box, and Akanji, who was great, and Diaz, who was fine, just, you know, good Diaz, they just blocked it, and there was no danger. So I didn't really see any major problems, although, yeah, there wasn't that control, was there? And against 10 men, that is a, a slight worry, I suppose. But I thought, job well done on the whole. Yeah, Paul. It's it's interesting because I, I I did think the phrase "get away with it." It it feels like the wrong phrase because like I yeah I don't think City have been at the best week after week this season, but I still think they've been pretty good. And you, you, like, but you still know what I mean. It doesn't feel like they're in their stride yet this season, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I get that feeling, but I also think that the Dortmund game was quite more concerning. I mean, it was like more of an off day from City. And in this one, I felt like City like started with a point to prove in terms of like they knew that the Dortmund game wasn't like great and like the start was fantastic for City. Basically, the the scenario of the game helped helped a lot. But yeah, as Sam was saying, I I think that when when Wolves ended up with ten men, like City like kind of tried to pressure quite aggressive, but Wolves was like finding a way out of it. Um, that uh, speaks quite well of the quality of Wolves, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, despite the fact of not having probably the best Kevin De Bruyne, as Sam was saying, or Nostia, just not having the, the best or, or the yeah the shiniest spark in front of goal, 
I think that city was quite comfortable on the on the defensive end. Well, one of the notes that I had written down was to highlight Alkanji, but yeah, Sam had just yeah, had done Sam it, uh, that, as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, feel yeah. free, mate, because he was great, wasn't he? Like, he yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he gave a great impression. He, I mean, he makes the team feel safe, in my opinion, which is not easy with a player that has just mm. like a slot into that team. Um, he's he's calm with the ball. And for what we know, like in the dressing room, he's like a good guy. He's he's had a good impact, and like the staff, the teammates are just really happy with the impact that he's had. Um, and people like in higher offices are are also happy with the price that that they had to pay for him, which yeah. is quite cheap. Uh, Should be absolutely but, delighted with the price, to be honest with you, yeah, <laughs> given yeah, how he's yeah, settled yeah, in. Yeah. They um, are, yeah. I mean, there were two moments in... I think they were both in the first half, actually, uh, Paul, with Akanji, where um, Wolves wanted a penalty for each one of them, but there was just no foul in there. It was... He stepped across the man, took the ball, and kind of used his body strength just to keep keep the attacker at bay. And... Both times, the forward just bounced off him and fell to the ground, and it was it was it was like it was like watching my dad, who is like sixteen stone, playing okay. like like playing against these eighteen year old kids at five a side league, where they go, "I'll just shoulder barge this old fella off the board." He's like, "No, he's 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 far too heavy for you to do that, mate." But like Akanji's obviously not sixteen stone, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, I wouldn't like to just to crash into him, to be honest. I mean, I, mm. I think I wouldn't enjoy that. Um, he's, yeah, solid, but- he's, he's solid, isn't he? Because you know, he wears number 25, so he's a bit like Fernandinho, but he's a bit like company in terms of his build, but he's yeah. not quite as tall. So he's a bit like a mixture between those two, like physically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he looks like like a complete package, like a really solid centre-back. I think that in Dortmund, he was like um, accused sometimes of like having like some mistakes for d- disconnecting from the game, basically. But we haven't seen that at City right now. Um, yeah, and, and I think that City fans can only be happy with him. Yeah. Um, it's going to be in, interesting to see what Pep does when, like, Laporte comes back, which is going to be now. Um, when, yeah, when just Walker goes back and the Stones can play as a centre-back again. It's going to be, like, an interesting point, of course. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much, uh, just in terms of rhythm, Sam, um, I wonder how much it was. It was simply the fact that City scored early that that made it so much easier because they're obviously again not a hundred percent against Dortmund and they didn't get that early goal in in that game. The game became very very difficult to watch. Like on Saturday, it was just a case of oh, we're, it's twenty minutes in and we're two 0 up, so let's just you know we can we can just we can kind of ease our way into this game. Um, and I wonder if it just makes me as a fan panic less that City have scored. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I think that's normal. Um, I just just briefly because uh, there's not really too much add, to add to that. I think it's just, if you score early, especially when you're City, you, you control the game anyway. But I remember the Brighton game. There was probably about six or seven games to go last season. It was like a midweek game, and I don't know if Liverpool had just dropped points or they just gone top or something. But City had to kind of beat Brighton. It was just before the final final run at the end of the season, after the Liverpool game, I think. Was it, was it a midweek? Uh, in um, yeah, it was midweek. Yeah. And like City were all right in the first half, not great, but all right. But everyone was like shitting themselves. Everyone was like, "Oh, this is crap. The passing's too slow." Blah blah. Which is one of the things I hate. It's not too slow. It's just, there's no. There's no. They can't pass quicker. Like look at the look at the opposition team. There's nowhere for them to go. Um, which is similar against Dortmund last week. But it's fine. Like, it's fine. The game is ninety minutes, not forty-five. But at that point, City had been scoring. 
in the first like 10, 15 minutes. I actually wrote an article around that time that City was scoring really, really early, like generally. And then they didn't against Brighton. So everyone was nervous, not obviously because it was the end of the season. There was Liverpool looming in terms of like the spectre of Liverpool winning the title. And, you know, the title to win, everyone was like really nervous about it. And that was like a kind of really distilled example of where people just feel much better if you score an early goal. And yeah, like Wolves, the worst case scenario for Wolves at the weekend in terms of the game being difficult was City would not, they'd maybe create a lot of chances, but Wolves would just be so horrible to play against. There's, you know, crosses into the box, not really going anywhere, be unlucky, hit the post, and then either draw nil-nil or, or lose on the counter-attack. But then when you score after a minute, that kind of... That Completely gone out the window, yeah. And then, in fairness, I remember saying, because the game at Molyneux at the end of last season when De Bruyne scored four, Wolves equalised really quickly, didn't they? So City scored early, and then Wolves equalised. It was, oh God, okay, this might actually be difficult. And then City just went and blitzed them again. I thought it wouldn't be too much of a shock if Wolves had scored, because they were doing all right on the break even at 1-0. But then I thought, they are leaving themselves open. And City, like with the first goal, as soon as there was space to get into, City got into it and created a chance. So I was like, even if Wolves do score on the break here, there is enough space for City to get at them. But in the end, they weren't actually that clinical on the day, were they? That move for the first goal was probably the best, slickest move they put together all game. Yeah. Um, just looking at, at the situation now, Paul, what shape do you think City are in going into the international break? Obviously, second a point off the top. Um, it definitely feels like there's a few more gears to go up. Um, you know, maybe in terms of opposition, not play, not not exactly had a, a, a real, real tough game in the league yet. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think they're in a really good position, just especially given like, most of the candidates just to win this league are not at the best of that of their game, basically. Um, and this start of the season will be useful for City just to uh, gain some margin, basically. Um, but I also have the feelings that that this group of players just as soon as like a big game comes up, which is going to happen like on the next we- weekend in the league against Man United, and I think that there's Anfield soon, um, they're going to step up. I, I, I think that they have this now, like this uh, ability just to step up when the moment re- requires it. I think that we could see that on the Dortmund game when they were losing, they said, okay, right, we have to score goals. Um, and they can do that because they, they are like m- m- mature enough. They have been together like for a lot of years. And I think that now when, when the tough um, strike of games uh, are going to come, I think that they are, yeah, just probably going to improve or just show themselves that um, they can be great again. But, but probably you cannot keep that level for 50 games a season. So, yeah, probably that's what we have to um, say about the first game of the, uh, of the season. Just a bit of load management and just to, yeah, just manage like the peak of forms that you're going to get along uh, along the year. Yeah, it, it does feel like it's usually around about this time, Sam, where City do go up a gear, isn't it? When you look at that that kind of in, that one of the early international breaks is like your first marker of where City come back and go right. A run of results come comes along at this point now. You know, I was thinking that, and and again, I was just thinking about how it's going to work this season because normally you'd say, yeah, that international break. I remember last year it was kind of November into December, wasn't it, where they really started motoring, and then you kind of think, yeah, it's normally around this time but then you think oh well there isn't november december this year because of the world cup so how's that going to work but then i actually thought back and um the season the, the the lockdown season when there was no fans in they they did it from like january to march yeah. and then if you remember the 18 19 season 
that was after the Liverpool game. Well, that was this, that was January was as well. January, but no, they yeah, lost the at Newcastle, wasn't it? Which was like February the first or something, January the thirtieth or something, thirty first. And then they and then they went on those fourteen games until the end of the season. So it's basically whenever they need to, like like yeah, <laughs> whenever whenever they need to. If they do it early and they get to the top, like last season, and then they fought to stay at the top, or if they. They needed to do it late in eighteen nineteen. They did it late. They kind of did it by circumstance in, yeah, twenty 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 one because they just had to because it wasn't going well, was it? And all of a sudden they turned things around and clicked and went on that mad run. So yeah, regardless of World Cup or regardless of what time of the year it is, like I suppose the, the one thing you can be sure of is City going on a, on a big run. Now there is no guarantee that it's going to happen every time. Guardiola will get asked about it at some point. He'll say, "Look, I don't know," and there is no way of knowing. But I guess in four of those five seasons when they've won the title, they have had one of those big runs. And I guess, you know, if they're going to do it this time, then they might need that. Although I know Arsenal are still top, but I still I still do see City winning it quite easily. And maybe that's something I'd go back on if Liverpool get themselves sorted. But there we go. No, I'm not even joking. Like if Liverpool get themselves sorted out, then I'll be like, okay, now now we're in a now we're in a race here. But with Arsenal and Spurs and being the contenders, I, I don't really buy it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Let's have a look at uh, one player in particular who's been uh, attracting the headlines recently. Um, Jack Grealish opened the scoring at uh, Molyneux inside 55 seconds. And then uh, afterwards, to match of the day, he said, uh, it's always nice to get an early goal. I think that it must be the quickest I've ever scored in my career. Once you've got the goal, your confidence is much higher. And I think I needed that. Like I say, it's a good day. Um, and then when he was speaking to BT Sport, kind of like immediately after the game, uh, when he was uh, still on the pitch, um, he was asked directly about the the recent criticism of him. Uh, and he said, uh, rightly so, I should be scoring more. I should be getting more assists. The only thing I can do is obviously score and get assists. I'm always going to have people talking about me with the amount I got bought for. He, meaning Pep Guardiola, has been brilliant with me. And I probably have to thank him because he gave me the opportunity today after my performance on Wednesday. It wasn't the best. Um, Paul, what do you make of those those quotes because it, it sounds like he's very like he's he's very aware and perhaps a little bit weighed down by by everything that's been said about him yeah basically i think that he knows the the price tag that that he's costed um and i think that he kind of probably he he thinks that a 100 million player should have to be more differential and and he wants to be that um and yeah basically really just can't wait to do that for the team in terms of like he wants to produce more um, and feels and feels to me that he's aware that fans expect more more from him probably, um, but yeah, uh, he's kind of going in the line with Pep's narrative uh, as well, like in the quotes that he did like after game, which of course Pep is trying to protect him, um, and I think that Pep is doing that basically because the dressing room just as as I, as I mentioned with with Akanji, but with Grealish they are very happy. I mean, one thing that they are going to point out is that Grealish is 
like a really nice guy, a really nice bloke. He's hardworking on training, probably one of the last ones to leave the, the CFA every day. Um, it's a nice guy to work with, and that's what Pep Guardiola wants in a player. Then he has the talent, because, of course, um, they spotted the talent in, in him. But for some reason, despite having all the qualities just to blossom in a Pep Guardiola team, he probably hasn't exploded um, or he hasn't yet yeah, just went off as, as, as City would have loved to. Um, my feeling is that they believe that it's just a matter of time, of just giving him more time. But yeah, they are more, more than happy, to, of course, just to give Jack release. And you can tell by the amount of opportunities that Pep gives him as a starting left wing. Um, yeah, hopefully for him, um, it's going to be like a turning point. Um, because we have spoken a lot about how the second seasons can be important for those kind of players, like it was for, for Bernardo, for Riyad Mahrez. And probably Grealish has not this pressure, but this precedent in front of him and he wants to take it. Um, but yeah, let, let's see if he's able to do it. Yeah. Sam, is it all about the price tag? Is that why there's so much focus on him, do you think? Yeah, yeah, massively. If if he cost like 60 million, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. It wouldn't be quite the same. Um, you know, it would still be. The thing is, with City signings, it's all it's always kind of in-house, isn't it, in terms of scrutiny? There's Unless it's Haaland, obviously, because he's just so massive. But yeah... It, I feel like other clubs, if there's players that cost a lot of money and don't do so well straight away, it's more noticeable. Probably because those clubs need them to do it. Like, like Lukaku was supposed to take Chelsea from Champions League winners to Premier League winners, and it didn't happen. But City, I've said this before, actually. I've wrote an article on this. City are that good, and their squad is that good. They can afford, and in this case, 100 million. They can afford to spend 100 million on a player who doesn't need to come in and massively change things straight away, who can have time to to bed things in. Um so yeah, a, a lot of it's the price tag. I actually spoke about this on the the Athletic Football podcast on Monday, which is out. Um, but it's yes, yeah, the same stuff I was saying last week, and I said you know before Guardiola was saying on Friday. But now everyone, everybody knows Guardiola does want him to score goals. But obviously, the thing where this whole kind of narrative came from over the weekend was Guardiola said we didn't sign him for the goals and for the incredible goals and assists, which obviously he means by incredible like a lot. We didn't score him to be prolific and to get loads and loads of assists. Um, and obviously that was the kind of the headline literally the headline that was on the back page of the mail um, and, but then Richard Keyes kind of tweeted about it and he was like oh, this I've never read so much nonsense in all my life kind of thing because it ties into that idea that Guardiola's just kind of just defending him for no reason but what I was saying last week is yeah he does need to score more and that's what he wants and that's what Guardiola wants he does need to score more but he is doing a load of stuff that doesn't get recognition and that's what Guardiola has been saying. But Guardiola said this on Friday when he was asked about it. He was asked about it again on Saturday after the game as if Friday had never happened. It was almost like, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, oh yeah, would you say he's doing lots of other stuff for the team? It's like, where the fuck have you been? Um, and I've, got, then, I've, I've got a load of his quotes lined up ready for later on in the yeah, show, Sam, so we'll hear, the, last, we'll hear all of this. It was last, but then but all of this from the last few days is just to repeat what happened last year because it was around December when Grealish gave that interview saying I need to score more goals. And then Guardiola was asked about it in a press conference and he just said, uh, I think he's been listening to people who pay too much attention to the statistics because there's other stuff that he does which is really important for the team. Like This whole narrative has been going on for about nine months now. Um, but my overall point on it was, I remember saying this again on the radio like when City played in one of the Southampton games away last season. Um, I don't even think we should be talking about it too much until like halfway through the second season. And in turn, like we're in the second season now and it feels like we're some way in, but the, the, his start at the weekend, that was only his first Premier League start since the first weekend. 
and he's had two two games in the Champions League in the last couple of weeks while coming back from an injury. Like that second season has barely started. And okay, if he's if he's struggling in a few months, if he's not adding the goals and the assists, then we'll have a look at it again. Um, and it may well be that he's still doing a good job for the team, but we still want more. It may well be that he's out of the team altogether. Or he may have settled in and he'd be like Mares and Bernardo Silva and you know, Sane, obviously up until a point, and Aguero when he fully got it and all these players where it just kind of takes off. So, I mean, we do have to wait and see. I, I don't, I'm not certain that he's going to be great, but it's just a kind of benefit of the doubt thing. Yeah. Um, I'm interested, Paul, about uh, his performance on, on Saturday because um, I, I kind of liken this to uh, players that have superstitions because like, so, like clearly superstitions mean absolutely nothing in, in terms of performance. What order you put your socks on doesn't change your performance. But if you believe it does... And you do it, and you don't do it. Then does that belief that you are going to have a bad game force you to have a bad game, and that kind of self fulfilling prophecy sort of way? And so I wonder how much of of the praise for Grealish's performance was actually simply because he scored really early on, and I wonder how much of of his feelings about his performance were again the confirmation bias of the fact that he'd scored really early on, and it, like he, he might have he, if he'd not scored. He might have still like come out of that game and felt, well, you know, I need to be doing more and, and this, that, and the other. But when you actually watch his performance, he's doing all the things that Guardiola wants him to do. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a really fair point. Um, I think that probably he played a good game. Uh, I mean, he played good games like in in other matches this season, uh, just apart from the good feelings that he left on the US tour. Um, I think that he played well, for instance, in in Seville. Um, in the Champions League, but probably like we realised now because he scored the goal, um, Pep praised him a lot after the West Ham game, I think it was, because the second goal was basically down to him. Um, well, that's what Pep said uh, on the press conference. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's I think it's kind of a normal thing that we realise about these kind of things when he just scored goals and just produce what he's been accused of not producing. Um, yeah, um, so I think, I mean, if, if that helps him and that boosts his confidence, because at the end of the day, I think that the confidence and the mental side of the game is like more important than we could ever think. And if that helps really just to unleash himself and just to feel better, um, it's going to be good. But I don't think that scoring a goal changed the opinion of Pep and Rodo Borrell and uh, Enzo Maresca and everyone who is around the backroom, the the first team backroom staff about Jack Grealish because basically the the game that Jack Grealish produced is something that City had seen in the past with the uh, difference that he provided the goal, which is a good point. And of course, if he can do it more often, it's going to be very much welcomed. Yeah, there was there was a, a, a there was a little difference in his performance though, Sam. In that he, he kept popping up quite quite centrally uh, at times. There was one in the second half where he did that. He did a lovely dance through the the centre of midfield, yeah. and I think he got chopped down in the end. But the advantage was played because City had a, a break that yes. I, I don't think they scored from. Um, no, but he yeah, he basically created the, the the counter. Yeah. They missed it up, and it was a really clear chance. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite annoying because they had a lot of really good opportunities to break, didn't they? Yeah. Especially in the last like twenty twenty five minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Your question to Paul, I think, is spot on. I think if he hadn't scored, people would probably still be saying, "Oh, yeah," but just because that's it. Like it's just it's just missing the goal. He was kind of creative and threatening, but he didn't directly set up many chances, did he? Like that that example you gave is great, but I think if he hadn't scored, 
we'd have been talking about that and it might have looked like, oh, you're just clinging to positives when in reality he didn't quite do enough. But the fact that he scored did flip that narrative on his head and everyone's like, oh yeah, Grealish is really good and if he keeps doing this, then great. But you're right, like his performance is kind of similar to what he's done before. Um, but I think, the, you know, the big difference between Wolves and Dortmund was it was a completely different team, wasn't it? Different city dynamic. Like Paul said, they may had, maybe felt they had a bit of a point to prove to go out and play with a bit more energy and rhythm. But also, it was that kind of game where there was space to run into. Whereas against Dortmund, there just wasn't whatsoever. Um, and just a quick theory on the Dortmund game, because I, I read a thread by, I think it's American Citizen on Twitter, and he does like tactical threads. Now, I don't think it's... it's um, well, I don't think he, he could know this. Um, we'd have to ask like people around the dressing room to find out. But the theory is really that Guardiola last week picked that team against Dortmund, expecting them to play on the counter-attack. And if you're going to rest a couple of players, then you play Grealish, you play Mares, you play those players who can slow the game down. So if you've got transitions, you're kind of picking the right moments rather than just going up and down all the time. But Dortmund didn't actually play like that, did they? Like Dortmund actually sat in very deep, which they never normally do. And that may have not been what Guardiola was expecting. And therefore, we ended up with that really stodgy game where it was basically City trying to go with this kind of slow mindset against a team that was just defending anyway. And it, and it didn't quite work. So that's a kind of interesting theory on that. But whatever, like it was completely different at the yeah. weekend. And I think that was a big, you know, that was in Grealish's favour. And again, I suppose for 100 million, going back to the price tag, you want... In those tight, horrible games like against Dortmund, you want somebody to like beat three or four players and and put it in the top corner. And you know, maybe maybe he's maybe he's going to do that. Maybe he's not. Um, but again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying. City can afford to spend hundred million on somebody who doesn't actually need to do that, really. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's have a listen from Guardiola after the game um, because obviously Grealish has had a, a lot of criticism from both non-City fans and City fans uh, at his time at, at the club. Um, and then I hear stuff like this from Guardiola's post-match press conference. This is what he said. It's not my first season here. Like, I arrived and I took over, took over a squad like a club has. So seven years, as I said many times to them, you are here because I trust unconditionally for all of them because I know them. Is there extend the content react because I trust unconditionally with him. And Jack is not an exception. Now scored a goal, it was a good performance, quite similar to I played against Bifobi. Every time he has the ball, he have uh, one against one, against one the fullback all the time, all the time, all the time. And uh, okay, they didn't score, they had a good assist, so, but it's question sometimes in time. We didn't help them to make more runners in the final third to create more space to him. So, but they have to play for themselves and they don't have to say thank you or my confidence in them. I have confidence in all of them. They have to play for them. The best of them, you have to play every single game. And this is what I'm looking for. And and of course, I'm happy for him, for the victory and uh, and his incredible personality to play. And, and that's why that's why I'm happy, of course, for the call he scored. And uh, Guardiola was then told about Grealish's words to BT about knowing that he needed to score more. Um, and he was asked if there was something that they'd spoken about or if he'd thought about uh, if uh, Haaland's enthusiasm to score would rub off on Grealish. Uh, this was his response. I don't ask just to, to score goals and score goals. OK, I said, OK, try it. Be aggressive there. But, uh, yeah, you have an incredible two strikers like you have on the tendencies to take a look at them, you know that? But of course, we need the goals from Kevin last, last season. He had he had a lot of goals last season, Kevin. And this season is thinking more and now in the assist than the, the make the goals. And we need Gundo as well. When he played there, he's an incredible runner to the box. Aston Villa was the perfect example to show with that. So 
Yeah, we need we need uh, players. Always when we arrive there, everyone has a permission to open the door and go to the box. Everyone. So nobody is not allowed to to do it there. And and Ar Erling continues score goals that stop. Juliano the chance stop. But of course the other ones have to be the desire, the hungry, the mentality to, to score goals as well. Now, Paul, I'm, I'm a little bit interested in whether that's Guardiola doing his I'll defend you in the press conference thing or if that's actually what he's saying to, to Grealish in private as well. Um, what do you reckon? Uh, I think that he is doing the thing of I'll defend you in the press conference thing. <laughs> but um, I don't think that it's really different from what he's saying to Jack Grealish in private. Because as I was saying to you, I get the feeling that Pep is happy with what Jack Grealish is trying to, how he's, how he's behaving, how he's performing inside the first team building. Um, so I get that, or just, yeah, just what I what, what I feel is that um, Pep is just trying just to be careful with him and just to boost his confidence because it's, it's clearly like a matter of confidence and just like to find like the right spot in the team. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's one of the few cases where Pep says one one thing on the on the press conference, but then like in the in the in the dressing room, I think that the message is not going to be like really really re, re, re different because like and speaking to someone who's close to there, they know that the end product of Jack Grealish probably hasn't been to the standards that uh, as as just we were saying that a hundred million player um, should be, but. They, they are still happy with him. They are still happy with how, as, as I was saying, with how he works, with how he tries, with how he sees himself into the team and how he just works for the team. I mean, he's not like the player that you paid 100 million and he just believed that himself is just above of the rest in the dressing room because he's cost more money than, than anyone else. Um, he's just not like that. And that's what make Guardiola being so patient and just to, and just so happy with him. And just another point about the first um, voice note that we uh, listened to from Pep. I think it's no coincidence that he mentioned Riyad Mahrez as well, because Riyad Mahrez is not like, of course, going through like his best peak of form. Um, yeah, and basically, I think that it's no coincidence that Pep uh, highlights that he has like a like uh, an unbreakable trust in Riyad Mahrez too, because um, he needs that confidence too. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sam, I did like the, um, the, 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 the the kind of, this is my team now. You know, I've been here long enough that this is my team and I know all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we've seen that trust, haven't we? Kind of for better and for worse. You know, there's certain players that um, fans wouldn't necessarily want picking, but Guardiola will keep 
putting his trust in them. Um, I mean, this isn't one of those examples, actually, but, you know, playing Jesus against Liverpool after not starting him in the Premier League for, like, months last season. just And it kind of, like, a weird example of that, because if you're trusting him, you'll probably play him more often. But it's like, right, you're going to do this on this big day. Go for it. And obviously, you know, playing Sterling in the Champions League final, stuff like that, you know, it's just... He, he does trust his players to do it. And as Paul says about that message being the same, I was thinking this about Grealish, you know, when Guardiola said he was awesome against like West Ham on the first game, where was, loads of people were saying he wasn't up to much. I remember thinking, yeah, there are times when Guardiola really praises somebody in public, but then behind the scenes is different. But I don't think that is the case. And it's a bit like, because I think that day was he was doing his job. That was very much seemed like a day at West Ham when everybody was doing their job for the team. And that job for the team seemed to basically be create chances for Haaland. <laughs> yeah. But he, he also said Walker was that was one of the best performances Walker's ever had because Walker was doing that very different role, wasn't he, where he was getting a lot of the ball inside and he had to make passes that Carl Walker normally doesn't play and Guardiola really appreciated that. So you'd see it and think this is classic Pep hyperbole, one of the best performances he's ever had, blah, blah, blah. But I think he really appreciates the extra step and extra effort that Walker made and I think that goes back to the trust. Like, okay, you don't normally do this, but we've been here long enough. I, I am going to trust you to do this for me. And then he did it. So he gave him his praise afterwards. Yeah. Um, Sam, you mentioned um, that this was a, a talking point on Friday as well. So let's have a listen to some of uh, the pre-match press conference. Uh, Grealish was uh, a big topic of discussion there. This was what Guardiola said when he was asked about his goals and assists record. And uh, the question was actually, what is uh, Grealish's unique selling points? He's very well. He is to the stop for a problem in the knee and ankle. Sorry that we were lucky it was not not worse and um, in the last game in the final third when arrived he was the only one up front that make an aggressive one against one against uh, um, but at the moment that to make assets we didn't have his mates on the box on the box so we left him isolated when we go against the fullback it just Erling was there Gundo was not there Kevin was not there it should be there and when that's happened you help Jack to make He's productive. So in the first half, we were not without the ball. We we're not, but especially with the ball, we didn't make any movements to help the players that has the ball to make his possibility to make more decisions making easier. Um, I know him, and uh, and uh, and I'm more than happy and delighted what he is doing. So it's now just a question of time to get back a little bit his momentum that he has in the end in the beginning of the season. And Sam, that, that was what you were saying about barely, you know, having time to get into this season because he has been. We, there's there's a lot of focus on him, and the fact is he's been injured for for a good portion of this season, which is which completely knocked his rhythm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that thing Guardiola was saying about he wasn't supported with the one on ones. It's a bit like Sterling in that nineteen twenty and the start of twenty 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 one season when it was like. Nobody was really getting forward. It was the old, it was the old double pivot days, inverted winger days. It was all very stodgy, and it was just well, okay, Raheem, you're playing against a deep block. There's not really a lot of support. Can you just try and take on two or three players from a standing start? So, well, no, not really. <laughs> I can't really. No, I'll try. And that that was yeah, that was again that was part of the context of the Dortmund game. Like nobody played well last week, did they? And if you're in a team that doesn't play well for whatever reason, manager gets the selection wrong, players get the you know the occasion wrong. Whatever, you know, the opposition really good, combination of all things. If the team's not really clicking, it's very difficult for kind of individuals to stand out with individual brilliance because you need that support of the team. You need to be getting the ball. That's why they switch it to Mahrez on the right-hand side all the time for a one-on-one. It's not, it's not like, well, here you go, Riyadh. There's a five-yard pass. 
can you beat five men? And then when they do give it to him when he's in that position, it's so like De Bruyne can make the underlap and he can play that little reverse ball in behind. There's always some kind of intention or something they're supposed to do. But yeah, against Dortmund, it was more just like, well, go on then, lads, get on with it. Yeah, there's there is something in there as well, Paul, about um, focusing on goals and assists when they're they're being given no help because the number of times that we talked about De Bruyne having, you know, De Bruyne would have had a hundred odd assists in previous seasons if actually if City could actually finish the chances that he was creating. Um, Grealish might have better numbers this season if he'd not, you know, missed a good chunk of the season through injury, and then if he'd had a little bit more than Haaland to hit in the box. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm, t- yeah, uh, I'm totally on the same page with this. Uh, I mean, this this debate is something that always comes up as well when we discuss about Bernardo Silva, especially like in the first season. Um, but now I, I think that no one can discuss like the impact of Bernardo Silva. So I guess when when City signed the Bernardo Silva, you you could apply that very same um, sentence from Pep, like very. Like like the quote from Pep saying that we don't sign him for the goals and the issues that he scored at at Monaco on his case. But so I think that these kind of players just go beyond stats and Pep looks for something in them that is just not there. And yeah, of course that if you surround them with good players and with a good system, they that at some point they ju- they just click into them into the team. Um, they're going to provide like more numbers and better numbers, and of course that if Grealish can can do that and can do that like the next step with Holland, with De Bruyne, with Foden close to him, he's he's going to get better numbers. Which I guess that was like the initial plan when when Jack Grealish joined joined Man City because I can remember like the first interview that he did like on a City shirt um, when he was asked about how he think that he could fit in in the team, blah blah blah. Um, he was saying that at Aston Villa he was getting targeted in in some games, like by double marking, by triple marking, and that here with with so many weapons he couldn't get that, so he could improve like his numbers. I think that he said that with I, I, I don't know if Julian Lescott or Michael Richards. I, I don't know, but I, I think that those were like the expectations that Willis had at the very beginning, but now. Um, yeah, he's the one like, who's being used to attract everybody, so everyone else can be free. It's like the yeah, opposite of what he's exactly, exactly. Um, and yeah, basically, I think that if if he can find that like the right balance, like n- numbers are going to come for him. Yeah, I mean, of course, the flip side to that poll though is, uh, you know, Haaland is a scoring machine. If you can't assist him, then who can yeah. you assist? Fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, just let's let's have a, a listen to this from uh, ahead of the Wolves game. This was Guardiola's response uh, when asked if uh, Grealish was the sort of player that needs reminding that you can have a good game and not get a goal or an assist. Well, we didn't cite him for the incredible goals and assists making Villa. It was another reason. And when he played, he did it. But he competed with the top top players as well, and 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 you know uh, he knows it perfectly. But never complaining that is a. So a nice guy, and the game we didn't play is the first to help the team, and the training session always is there. So I'm I'm delighted about his behavior and everything. He's not the type of player that you know to get worried that if those numbers aren't there that. Well, I want to score goals. I want to make assists. He wants to, but it's, it's not about that. It's how he contribution without the ball and how he produce for the other ones for many many things that he is able to do. 
Guardiola was then asked uh, how Grealish had improved in his first season. This is what he said. Understand us, we can understand him. And just to have a little bit of continuity that I tried to give him and, and because he deserved it, it's, it's be what he is as a football player. All the time we ask them, so be yourself. Don't think be what the people expect you have to be. Be yourself as a person, as a, especially a football player. And this is all you have to be concerned. Try to get better today than yesterday, and tomorrow you have to be better than today. And and that's all. I don't want to ask them something like they cannot do or they don't want to do. Do you think he's been listening a little bit too much to outside I don't know. I don't talk about them if they listen all your comments or radios or... I, I don't know. The, Maybe some players listen. The criticism is a good motto or would encourage to get better. And after they are more sad, they have to know how they affect what they read, what they listen. And that's why we all tell them. So there are many things uh, out of the football and hobbies and, you know, and many, many things. You can do your head cleaner and better. So you can live without listening absolutely anything. Always I said to them, so you know exactly how did you play. Exactly. What we are looking for, what was the plan of the game. It works, it doesn't work with the people jets. Now you play bad. But but did you know the plan to want to do? Is it was wrong or was positive? So they don't know it, you know it. So you have to listen what the people say if you play good or bad. You know every one of us know if you did the best or you were perform, you know, the best of you in this specific day. Some players said, oh, I play bad, but the, after the media or friends said, oh, you play good, and oh, now I'm happy. It's no sense. So you know exactly after the game how you, this is the most important thing. If you play good and the people say you don't play good, it doesn't matter. Three days you have another challenge to, to be happy and to do what you have to do. The rest is not really, really important. And so all of that, Sam, brings us to uh, basically your article this week about Grealish. And I wonder if that's the crux of this conversation. Ultimately, is that um, you know if, if he's if he's being overly judged on his his goals and assists by people who don't really know what Guardiola and the team want or need from him. Um, but equally, it's also pretty hard for us to judge him on other criteria because we don't know what Guardiola and the team want from him. It's, and it's kind of one of those things that's that's not exactly easy to measure. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I was thinking, because I wasn't at the press conference on Friday, but when I saw what he'd said, I was like, if I was there, I would have said, what do you actually want from him? But then managed to kind of find out over the weekend anyway. So I thought, well, I'm not going to ask him in the press conference of Wolves, because then everyone will have it. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll put it in my article and everyone can get it from that. Um, but yeah, the only thing is, like, look, this isn't... And when I was writing the article, and when we, we've been having this conversation, and like, oh yeah, well, De Bruyne wasn't there, and Gundogan wasn't there, and you know, the teammates weren't doing this it is it does sound like you know oh Grealish has actually been great or he's been really let down it's not that you know he there are there is loads of stuff he needs to improve and it's not just the act of scoring the goals you know when Guardiola says be more aggressive I suppose one example was the weekend when he made that run where he was basically in like a Haaland position to score the goal that's fantastic and now City are doing more crosses from the right there'll be more of those goals because if they're aiming for Haaland and they miss how many Sterling goals were actually kind of aimed like Aguero just missed, but Sterling would be there. So that's part of being aggressive. But I think the other bit is when he's kind of 
he's been one on one against the defender, or maybe like one on two, but he has kind of gone back inside. And I think there's maybe that I shouldn't lose the ball because City don't lose the ball. And then there's finding the right balance of, well, City don't lose the ball, but I'm actually good enough to take this guy on. So he hasn't, you know, it's not like he's been perfect or like everything he's done less than brilliantly is not his fault because he definitely needs to be better. It's just a case of we're trying to say and Guardiola trying to say, look, these are the things he is, he does need to do. He is doing them. He's not been a complete washout. There, he also needs time because everyone needs time. And then, yeah, there's there's this extra bit. Um, and then, yeah, it just comes down to one thing I do find really interesting and accurate, you know, talking about going online and seeing opinions on the internet. I hadn't thought about this and it didn't really come up while I was doing the commentary, but people were saying he kind of needs, he needs to feel that confidence. He needs to kind of feel like he belongs at City because he's always really harsh on himself. And going back to, again, like those first interviews he did at City when he was like really in awe of De Bruyne, it maybe maybe it's still, this is conjecture on my part, but it still feels a bit like, he doesn't feel like he belongs at City when obviously, like he does, and he is good enough. Yeah. So I do. Maybe there's an element of that, and it's just right. You do. You do deserve to be here. Like when you get a chance, take it, go for it. And but again, it's just it's just part of that process and the time, isn't it? And he'll learn when to beat a man and when to like not lose the ball. And slowing the game down for City again is something that fans don't really treasure, um, but it is important. But you know, it doesn't always have to be that as you know, Foden is kind of finding out the other way. It doesn't always have to be go forward. Sometimes you need to slow it down. Grealish is like, you know, you don't have to slow it down. Sometimes you can go forward. So it's all part of the process. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that though, Sam, because Paul, I was going to finish this week's show uh, on um, basically question. Micah Richards on match of the day. I, when I watched the analysis said that he thought Jack Grealish puts himself down too much. Um, does he, do you think? I think, I think he does. I think, um, and, and that's a color anecdote that I'm going to give here. But I, th- I know that at the end of last season, uh, at the day that there was like the bus parade, uh, like the famous bus parade, like around Manchester City Centre, um, he was like speaking to people close to him and just to teammates and just to members of the staff saying um, that he wanted to improve next season, that he know that he can do better and that he must do better. Um, and yeah, basically that he felt that he had to do like another step next season. And that that just tells you um, how how much he puts down to himself. Um, I think that as we were saying at the beginning of the podcast, like the price tag might play something on it. Of course, they, he, he cannot do nothing about it. Um, but, but, but yeah, he just wants to be great. I mean, he... He, he wants to get to that city level. There's a fair point as well in what Sam was saying that he might not feel there yet at the elite level. Um, but yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just a matter of confidence and just like let's hope for the best for him that this goal just allows him just to forget like of all the um, thoughts that he can have like in his head that he, he might not be ready yet because he of course has the talent uh, but yeah um, of course that really uh, puts himself down too much yeah, yeah. I have no doubt about that it's uh, in many ways it's almost a shame that it's uh, everybody's favourite time of the year in the international break now because it's almost like he just hit a, a nice little bit of a head of steam going into it and it means that uh, that he's got to have a week off um, we're not having a week off though we'll be back next week with another Why Always Us thanks as ever to Sam Lee yeah, pleasure as always. And Paul Bias. A pleasure to be here too. Thank you. Don't forget, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for a pound a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.